We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast right here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. It's something that I wish I would have had when I was first uh, getting into the podcast game would have been extremely helpful. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, and that includes your boy on uh, January 14th, so tune into that. Uh, access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, Blue Wire is going to help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I uh, paid a hosting platform more than this when I started out my podcast, and they were terrible. Uh, again, this is something I, I really wish I would have had uh, getting into the podcast game. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that is bwhustle.com join. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Uh, Friday episode, weird weird drop time. You don't usually get Friday episodes on this podcast. Um, doing that because on Monday, we're, we're kicking off the month of March. You got a great month of March coming up for you, by the way, on Big Screen Sports. Uh, we're going to be talking Senna, one of the, uh, I think, one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen. Going to be talking Space Jam. Um, you know, how did that movie not win Best Picture? Going to be talking The Rundown as our non-sports movie of the month. Uh, it's returning guests for all of those, and uh, a returning guest for Monday's episode. Monday we're doing Moneyball. Since I've started this podcast, I've gotten the most questions about, "Hey, when are you doing Moneyball?" Moneyball is a fantastic movie. I love Moneyball. I was very excited to cover Moneyball. Had on returning guests, Bobby Wagner, Alex Baisley from Tipping Pitches, two of my favorite guys to talk baseball with, to talk movies with, and uh, we we were all really psyched to do Moneyball. We were so psyched that we recorded a two-hour Moneyball episode. 
I thought it turned out great. I am very excited to release the full thing on Monday, but two hours is a long time for some people. Even if this is your favorite podcast in the world, which if it is, let me know. That, that, would, uh, that would make me feel very good. But um, two hours is a long time. Wanted to give a little 20-minute preview. Uh, that, that way, if you, know, if, you, if you don't want to sit down for two hours in one chunk, you get 20 minutes out of the way today. You get, you get some good stuff about we talk, um, you know, we intro Alex and Bobby. We talk about, uh, we, we wanted to open getting the completely not true baseball stuff out of the way. The stuff that, you know, is very... I guess Hollywood, but also they just kind of, you know, created some stuff, left out some stuff for the sake of the movie. The movie still works, but we didn't want to be coming back to it the whole time. So got that out of the way, kind of talked about the the 2002 A's, what we think about Billy Bean, you know, what was going on with, uh, you know, some stuff that was left out of the book, got that out of the way, and that let us focus on, you know, how great this movie is. For the rest of the episode, an hour and 40 minutes of this movie just being like fucking wonderful. So with that being said, here is uh, tw- about 20 minutes of Monday's episode covering Moneyball with the guys over at Tipping Pitches. Uh, if you enjoy this, you're going to really love Monday. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you're subscribed. If you are checking out Big Screen Sports for the first time because you thought, hey, 20 minutes is manageable. Well, I, I think you're still really going to like Monday's episode if you enjoy this one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love Moneyball. It's going to be a good month of March. Enjoy this quick preview and we'll talk to you for the full thing on Monday. All right. Joining me today on big screen sports, returning guest It is the host of tipping pitches, Alex Basley and Bobby Wagner. Guys, thank you so much for returning to big screen sports. Very appreciative. Thank you for having you. This is, this is such a pleasure to be on here to do an actual movie. Last time we came on here to do, I, the fictional baseball games that we'd want to attend and I got roasted for choosing a Sandlot game. So I'm, I'm happy to be here to talk about a real movie. <laughs> I am. I'm very pleased that you're both back. Uh, Alex, tell the folks where they can find tipping pitches, what you guys have been up to lately, because we were recording this a couple weeks before this episode dropped. So give me a vague what's been going on with tipping pitches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, uh, we talk about labor uh, we talk about pop culture. We talk about pretty much every, everything besides the, the balls in play uh, on a baseball field. Um, so the, the things that are kind of happening around the edges of the game. And, uh, and I don't know if you've heard, but it's been kind of a wacky free agency uh, uh, offseason. So um, you can find tipping pitches uh, on, on iTunes. Uh, we're on Spotify. Can throw us a follow at tipping underscore pitches uh, on Twitter. We're we're in all your your places. Bobby, did I did I miss anything? No, I think you got it all. Um, you can also, you know, if you feel strongly about how much you hate your baseball team, you can also call into Tipping Pitches and become part of the show uh, and leave a voicemail about how your owner has completely ruined your life. That's our specialty right there, talking you through about how your baseball team has screwed you over. It's 785-422-5881. I would highly encourage anyone to call in and and participate in the conversation that you guys had recently and recently as of recording this, not of episode drop, but about um, good old MLB owners just shit-talking their top young talent in order to save a couple hundred thousand dollars in arbitration. What a sport. What, what a, a sport, sport folks. <laughs> Kyle, I would pose this question to you. 
How can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> <laughs> someone needs to. I, someone with like a more uh, like any talent in video whatsoever needs to put a super clip of of comments like great baseball movie lines like from this movie we're about to talk. How can you not be romantic about baseball with super cuts from like. MLB now on MLB network or something being like the Cardinals took Jack Flaherty to arbitration or trying to stiff him like it just right <laughs> what a fucking dumb sport <laughs> uh yeah I we agree that it's a dumb sport we also uh unfortunately love it more than almost anything in the entire world so come join us on tipping pitches where we talk it through in real time it's great stuff uh you guys do great work I am a huge fan and I'm a huge fan of you guys choosing to return to this podcast to cover a movie that I am also a huge fan of. We are doing Moneyball, the movie that more listeners of this show have asked me to do than any other movie since I started this podcast. Moneyball is the 2011 drama based on the book Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game, based on the the story of Billy Bean and the 2002 athletics that starred Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Chris Pratt was directed by Bennett Miller, received six Academy Award nominations, and is generally regarded as one of, one of, if not the best sports movie of the 2010s, certainly the biggest commercial sports movie. Guys, what was your, like, what was your Moneyball experience? Were you book or movie first? I'm going to let Alex go first because he was lived experience Yes, first. yes. Because Alex right. is the A's fan in this equation. I'm just the measly old annoying online Mets fan. So Alex, take it away. Well, Actually, I don't know if I'm going to get canceled for this, but I haven't read the book. Ooh. Uh, Alex, you would like the book. I think I think I might enjoy enjoy the book. <laughs> I hear this Michael Lewis guy has done some good stuff. Um it it this was a very cathartic um process for me being able to to kind of watch this movie and having having watched it um a handful of times over the over the last few years just to kind of um take the memories that live in my head from like you know 10-year-old me watching fucking v- VHS tapes of this to actually see Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean on the uh uh, on the big screen. Actually, really, my first thought is this is the last thing that Billy Bean's ego needs is <laughs> being played by Brad Pitt. <laughs> so, but but here we are. Uh, no, I mean this is I I love this movie so much. I think it gets it gets so much right and so much wrong, and it's a it's a it's a real ball of joy for sure. Bobby, what about you? I was intentionally book first. I'm like one of those snobs where if I know that there's a book and a movie that I both want to consume. I will like put off watching the movie until I've read the book, especially with something as seminal as Moneyball. You know, like I know that Alex and I just joked about how we we talk every week about how owners are ruining baseball, but something that's sort of been a through line of basically all of our podcasts is Moneyball and how it's changed the way that players and owners um, have a relationship. And this this movie, this book, more importantly, Michael Lewis's book, is kind of like the uh, I don't know, foundational text of that. And so I wanted to read it as sort of like an educational, but also like as an entertainment thing. And so I read the book and I watched the movie like the next day after I finished reading the book. And I got to say, if you're the person who reads the book first and then goes and watches the movie, I suggest watching the movie again, at least a couple months later, because right after you read the book coming right off the heels of it, it's a little bit of a tougher watch because you're hung up in so many of the details that make 
Michael Lewis, Michael Lewis. Like he finds every little story and every little relationship in these ecosystems that he dives into. And so if you just watch the movie right after that, you're like, okay, why are we following Brad Pitt around in his car while he's driving around and making his daughter sing songs to him? Like, no, we need to dive into to OPS more and we need to talk more about winning on the fringes and, you know, dollars per war and all this stuff. So if you are the person who's read the book and hasn't seen the movie yet, I would suggest taking a little beat, taking a little pause and accepting the movie for what it is because it is an outstanding film. Well, I think what what makes the movie really good, but also the reason that there are some people, especially in the baseball community, who don't like it, is it takes a very simple concept from the book. It takes just the like base concept, like the the fringe spark note shit and, and turns it into this story and makes it this great movie. And it, like you said, Bobby, it leaves a lot out. Um, I read the book in high school. I'm actually probably due for a reread at this point. I'm a shade older than you guys. And then I saw the movie and it was like, it was just awesome to see a big budget baseball movie actually like hit and build like just have a sports movie be so in the consciousness. Like it, it was in the, the trivia that this is the first baseball movie that's been nominated for best picture since field of dreams. Like there've been some good movies that came out, but this was a phenomenal hit. And, and perhaps, you know, you, you would have thought that maybe this would lead into a, a golden decade of sports movies and, and different kind of sports stories. And then the next big budget, uh, big star baseball movie to come out was trouble with the curve. And I was that, waiting uh, for who was going to be the first person to say <laughs> that, for, say that title. I, I have like a de- I, like I, I legitimately have a, a deep belief that Trouble with the Curve has like killed the big box office sports movie. It like it it's not going to happen again. No one's going to take it. Anyways, fuck that movie. We're talking about a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's something I wanted to do before we get into the movie itself and what's on screen is get rid of at least get it out there of the the actual MLB factual stuff that this movie gets quote unquote really wrong because it is this movie is not a documentary it is just a movie but there is stuff and stuff that really rubs baseball people the wrong way um, a couple past guests of this show have not have not liked certain aspects um, for me first and foremost this movie does art how very very dirty it is a a real shame. You hate to see it. Art Howe, on all, by all accounts, is a wonderful, wonderful man. I've heard nothing but good things about Art Howe. Uh, he had a quote, though. It is very disappointing to know that you spent seven years in an organization, gave your heart and soul to it, and helped them go to the postseason your last three years there and win over 100 games your last two seasons. And this is evident, the way, evidently, your boss feels about you. That uh, Yikes. That is not what you're looking for, folks. So is the insinuation there that Billy Bean threw him under the bus? <laughs> that was going to be my question is. as well. Yeah, I think In it talking is, yeah. to Michael Lewis? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for Billy Bean slander. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Anything is on the table. Anything negative that you want to say about Billy Bean, I am open to that. You know, Alex and I have slandered Billy Bean on many occasions on tipping pitches. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. The book doesn't really paint art how this as poorly as the movie does. I was I was about to ask kind of if if having read the book if you felt like it matched up because my sense of things is the movie really overplays Art Howe Art Howe's role in order to kind of give Billy Bean that uh that leverage right and that kind of like you know he it's one man against the world right everyone in his organization wants to go against him when like really that maybe was not the case uh so yeah, pour one out for Art Howe. He's, you know, 
he's he's in my heart for sure. There's also the thing, like if the GM tells you to play someone, you're gonna play them. There wouldn't be this big back no, and forth. No, this is completely you know, unrealistic. Whole thing, like and and Art Howe and Scott Hatterberg have both said that Art Howe was firmly in Scott Hatterberg's corner. There wasn't a mm-hmm. dispute about playing Scott Hatterberg. So, um, you know that that's a tough one, Alex. I want you to take the next one because this this movie leaves out a few characters. They're probably very important for you and your youth. It leaves out the fact that this ace team was <laughs> fucking loaded. Loaded. They had probably the best top three in a rotation, at least like perceived top three aces, until the Nats grabbed Patrick Corbin. I think when they when it was when it was Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. I I can't remember mm-hmm. another top three that was comparable. And Zito, Hudson, and Mulder. They had Miguel Tejada, who won an MVP. Eric Chavez, who had the sickest batting stance on MLB The Show 06 ever. It was just a stud. Jermaine Dye. Uh, this team was loaded. And this uh, this movie doesn't... Uh, Chad Bradford, Scott Hatterberg, and <laughs> helped the Oakland Athletics win the, win the uh, AL West. Yeah, uh, uh, it... It's a shame we don't we 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 like get glimpses of them in the clubhouse, you know, but you have to actively know what uh, uh Tim Hudson looks like to be able Even to Even if you do actively out. know, it's really hard to tell who's it's who. It's tough. Yeah. They don't put a soul patch on Hudson, I don't think, which is right. a crime. Yeah, yeah. Billy Bean mentions Shavi once. He has a few seconds of screen time. But you're right that uh um, six war third baseman Eric Chavez in two thousand two, by is, the way. That is Hall of Famer if he's actually able to stay healthy, Eric Chavez. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that one out there. Um, yeah, Miguel Tejado is another name uh, you mentioned that like absolutely instrumental to this baseball team. And and you know it, it's quite possible that the reason he doesn't show up in the movie as much is because he kind of chafed with the idea of Moneyball a little bit. He was a little bit more of a, a free swinger, right? Was certainly not the the archetype of the kind of player that Billy Bean was trying to mold the team after at that point. Yeah, so, he also played defense, which Billy Bean didn't care about. <laughs> right, exactly. Which, like, again, another thing, this whole idea that, like, defense doesn't matter at all. Walks are the only <laughs> thing, you know, like... I think the movie certainly like dumbs things down from a statistical perspective to make it a little more palatable. It bangs you over the head with a few certain concepts and that's right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Although those are the concepts that old school baseball media took out of Moneyball, though. They were like, oh, they only care about walks and they only care about OPS. And it's it wasn't about finding kind of market inefficiencies, which is what Moneyball actually was. If you look at it as a holistic concept. Now, granted, like the 2002 season, all of the decisions that were like confrontational decisions that being made were these guys. And I will say like, let's make fun of Scott Hatterberg a little bit because he's played by Chris Pratt in the movie and it makes it seem like he's the second coming of Babe Ruth once they (laughs) finally slot him into the lineup. Even though in real life, he played 132 games this season. But Hatterberg was third on the team in war, 3.2 war. That's a pretty good season for a first baseman who can't Quality play season by Scott, Scotty H, picking and then, machine. And then Chad Bradford was only behind those three starters that you mentioned already, Kyle, in war for on the pitching side. So as a reliever, that's that's pretty impressive. So highlighting those two, um, I think the, the movie is honest in that way. Um, but 
I'll chafe a little bit at David Justice, who didn't really have that great of a year that year, and also was one of the worst outfielders in the in defensive outfielders in the history of baseball in this season. I mean, this movie is legitimately it's it's like a spiritual prequel to The Big Short. It is just it is simply it's really the same concept. It's just finding inefficiencies to make gain, and yeah. and that's and that's they put that concept in a movie and had to kind of twist twist things around to do it. Um, the last big baseball thing I have is uh, it, they make it seem like Billy, you know, Billy Bean trades away a, an all-star starter, just an absolute stud in Carlos Pena. Carlos Pena had been optioned to AAA at the time of the trade, <laughs> did not figure it out in baseball until five years later. I, I think it's intellectually honest, at least, because Pena was, like, valuable to the organization because he was, like, a top prospect, if I'm remembering he correctly. He was, yes, yes, And so he to was. trade him away while uh, after only giving him you know, 30 games or whatever they gave him at the major league level and replace him with a converted catcher who is in the back, you know, the back nine of his career um, by any metric, basically, is a pretty ballsy move for 2002. And especially for a team like the A's who relies on team control to build their team. And that that's sort of the part of the, the baseball part of this that they leave out is that all of those guys that you mentioned, all of those guys that were so important to Alex. Basically, every important person in Alex's life in 2002, besides his mom and dad and brother, <laughs> were in this movie. And all of those guys were under team control, so the A's could keep them around because they didn't have to pay any more than basically league minimum for them. So it was a ballsy move at the time for them to for for them to trade away Pena. But it wasn't like they traded away, you know, fucking Teixeira, Mark Teixeira on his first year in the bigs or anything like that. The interesting thing is that Carlos Carlos Pena is kind of a moneyball friendly player. Like he takes a lot of walks. He played right. good defense. He was a college bat. He was a col- like he was a he was a college bat in the first round, which is what these um, sabermetric focused teams tend to tend to like stray to in the draft. It was very you know yeah he he would actually I mean he he broke out with the Rays like he broke out with the team that does this better. Sorry, Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is is there any yeah. other like MLB stuff that that we need to address so we just don't have to bring it up a ton. The only other, actually, this is not MLB specific, so pardon me. Um, but this is something that I actually, I didn't even know um, until I uh, was reading about the movie a couple days ago. And that's that Billy Bean wasn't, div- was was not single at the time, I'll say this. He had been divorced, but he'd already been remarried. And like, while that seems like a really small point to quibble over, his his family life is a really huge emotional point in the film. Yeah. The yeah. relationship that he has with his daughter and this, you know, kind of strained single father relationship while he's dealing with his ex-wife who has this new kind of woo-woo boyfriend, you know. Married to Spike Jones. (laughs) (laughs) So I I have a lot of thoughts about Spike Jones, but I'll save them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just worth pointing out, worth leaving on the table, Billy Bean was like doing okay for himself. He wasn't going on like evening benders or anything like that. Okay. It is a little bit of a stretch to say that, like, the reason that he turned down Boston is because he wanted to be closer to his daughter, which is basically what the movie implies. However, I will say, Hollywood is about emotion. Getting people to come to the movie theater is about emotion. And there's not a lot of emotion in the front offices of baseball teams. So there's not, like, a real emotional through line to Billy Bean being like, let's get these players that the the twins don't care about. You know, like, so I'm I'm not mad at it. 
So this is from the trivia, actually. I, I, I'm pulling it from the IMDb trivia section because it relates to what we're talking to. Um, the According to the screenplay, that last song, the movie ends as a clip of Brad Pitt uh, listening to the recording his daughter made of the song. And it's like the, you know, the emotional connection of you know, why he stayed in Oakland, what Bobby was just saying. It was going to be Against the Wind by Bob Seger, which like <laughs> different vibe. Just a little bit. <laughs> different vibe. And like, listen, no one appreciates Bob Seger as much as I do, but it that song would have stuck out like a sore thumb in a movie that does it with like a very subtle, like nuanced score. And then like, hey, let's hit him with some Seeger to roll this thing out like it's a karaoke <laughs> bar at 2 p.m. <laughs> right, with Brad Pitt like welling up, tears in his eyes as he's driving down the highway. That's Americana, brother. <laughs> Trying a little bit on the highway to Bob Seeger. If that's not America, I don't know what is. Whom among us? Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. There's one thing from the book I wish they would have they would have included, and in, in just like I I I don't know how it fits in the movie, but just like one of the best parts of the book is them going through. At least for me personally, especially because I'm like super into the draft, is is the age draft. Yeah, and that draft they had they had a ton of picks, like a ton of high round picks. But a scene, if they would have somehow worked in them doing the draft, it means we get a scene of Jonah Hill talking about Nick Swisher, yeah. which, is, yes. which is something we all deserved. Swisher was like the, I think, one of the most interesting characters of the book, too. And the fact that he doesn't appear in the movie, it's a hard sell to an audience that, does, that, that he's not going to be on the screen for. Um, because explaining who Nick Swisher is and like why he's so entertaining and why he is one of the most charismatic baseball players of our lifetimes... It's really hard to do in a short amount of time, but you're absolutely right. Um, the draft portion of it really doesn't come into the fore other than to function to facilitate how Billy Bean kind of lords over the scouts and kind of, um, you know, not to step on best scenes or anything like that, but kind of stomps out their old way of thinking. And um, in the end of the movie, we sort of see the fruit of some of that draft in the Jeremy Brown scene, but... <laughs> Um, which I want to talk about later too, but incredible stuff. Um, yeah, I think that that is sort of like the opening catalyst of the book because it comes pretty early on. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, and it was missing a little bit from the movie. Yeah, I, I just would have because like Swisher could have come in and played himself, like in a like, like post draft interview or something. I, you would have loved to have seen it. All right, that's it for your quick uh, 20 25 minute preview. Subscribe for the full thing on Monday. Go follow the guys over at Tipping Pitches. We got a great episode coming for you in a couple days. We'll see you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.